Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Podcast Like It's 1992, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1992 here from our perch in 2023. I am one of your hosts, Phyllis Gove. I'm your special guest host, Emily St. James, sitting in for your normal host, Pollution. <laughs> Amazing. I um, had like a really we, elaborate one all planned. And I was like, no, it should just be Pollution. I mean, That's it is just Pollution. Who's here. I mean, very, what's uh, the elaborate one? Now I want to know the alternate universe. What is the yeah. elaborate one? Oh, it was like, it was something I had gone deep on Smog Monster Mythos. Um, oh, yes. and, then just, and then just like, I was like, no, this is too complicated. This, this week needs to be simple. Some weeks it needs to be complicated. But I mean, Gully, this, this is a, uh, I yeah. mean, we're going to talk climate change at a certain point because this movie <laughs> goes there in 1992 and uh, it's 2023 and all of the Republican nominees say climate change is a hoax. Um, so they're no, they, they're doing less of that. Honestly, if you notice, the language has actually changed in the last few years. They don't call it a hoax as much as they call it. Look at you, you're like biting your lip. Uh, no, well, did you watch the not, debate last night? I did not watch the debate, so, so that's, maybe that's okay. <laughs> the thing about the thing about the debate is they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, where they're like, "Well, it's not real," but then they're like, "They're like, well, here's all the ways we need to combat climate change." It's sure. basically like the divide now is. It's not actually happening, but if it were, the government should not compel us to do anything about it, and gas should be cheap. And it's just that's sort of like yes. the position they've landed on. Unless you're, unless you're Vivek, in which case, uh, yeah. it's a hoax. Um, but that being said, with really? us today, podcaster, writer, actor Terry Gamble is here to talk with us about Fern Gully, a movie that um, I, I, I mean, as Emily knows, I reach out to a whole bunch of you know frequent guests, friends, what have you. And many people wanted to talk about Ferngully. Ferngully is 
surprisingly has a long tail from uh from 1992 uh emily had you seen ferngully before this no you know what we talk a lot on this this show about how i wasn't like i didn't see a lot of movies i was specifically forbidden from seeing this movie why why i mean we could talk about that in a second but we kind of just did um No, like, like, uh, it had an agenda. I, was your family too conservative for this yeah. movie? I grew yeah. up in a house. I grew up in a household that was like, uh, the earth is man's domain, and we are to use it however we want. And trying to conserve it is not worth it because God is coming back. Jesus, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Jesus is coming back. Yeah, Therefore, they're... yeah, yeah. Therefore, when I try to do whatever, explain. Yeah, why people are like, oh, why don't the Republicans get it? I was like, because they've been told everything is theirs and to just use it because Jesus is going to come save us. So yeah. you don't have a worry for tomorrow. You don't have the same care or, 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 or you know, mm. even though God said, Shep- be my shepherds and watch my flock and take care of everybody, which is also not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, it feels so. like there's a lot of mixed messages in the Bible. I don't know, guys. Wait, I mean, what? I think, Wait, I think modern... <laughs> I think that modern evangelicals have picked and chosen certain things that they yes. want to take from the Bible. That might be a pretty radical idea to like be introduced. Well, that they're you know picking the things that resonate with them. Nah, it is interesting though. Not to not to make this all uh, not not to get too political. Although this movie is surprisingly political in its own way, but I I do want to say that like the climate change question last night at the Republican debate came from someone under twenty five who was genuinely concerned about the future of this planet and was completely just ignored and essentially mocked by the, so it, I, I agree with what you're saying, Emily, that, but what's interesting is that generationally it feels as though this is a, a political issue. Like it does feel like below a certain age, most people are like, we should not destroy this planet. <laughs> I it don't depends think that's where. It, no, yeah. I don't think that's true okay. either. Okay. I, I really All think right. it depends on where you're at and where you're from. Because, uh-huh. like, I have people back. I mean, where I grew up, I'm not that far away. I'm in LA now, but I grew up in San Diego, and it is conservative as all get out. And they're still. I still have friends okay. that are like drill, baby, drill. You know, I think, that are. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very much like that are in their thirties. If you're in your in your twenties, thirties, you're probably more likely to admit climate change exists, regardless of political valence. But sure. you're also like much less like, like there. Like if you are conservative or mm-hmm. you know arch conservative or far right or whatever, you're much less likely to be like the government should solve this problem, and much more likely to be like, what if we all lived under domes? You know, like so. Uh, I guess what I'm. I, I mean, more than anything, I do think that um generationally it is a it is a concern or a thing that that people under 25 are thinking about how they're trying to process that information i agree with you differs but i do think that um i'm just sort of the reason i'm bringing this up is i do feel like this film which comes out in 1992 and is very progressive on the climate change issue i mean surprisingly so on the in the research that i did there was a whole bunch of stuff that they did in order to make this an environmentally conscious film. The poster was printed on recycled paper. Merchandise was used environmentally conscious packaging. I mean, this was a, you don't see that today. I mean, that is kind of insane to think about in 1992 that they were like, so attempting to go down that road. And now, I mean, I'm not even sure an inconvenient truth was on recycled paper. (laughs) Like, I don't, I mean, (laughs) 
you will see that thing in the end credits that's like this was made sustainably when carbon neutral or right, but like right, you know right. who the fuck knows what that you means buying credits blah 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 <laughs> that's such bs but right. um it's a, it's a bs science but i'm, I'm sure that's they, they probably did something like that i think it's just interesting of this timing though because it's like the tail end of of, of hw you know going into clinton this year in this yep. particular climate so I think part of that was like that re- backlash and reaction and people wanting that, you know, um, progressive movement to have a, have a push. And this really pushed a lot of us. I was 13 when I saw this movie. I saw it in the movie theater. Um, I chose this movie because I saw it on a field, tri- not a field trip, a slumber party. My best nice. friend's little sister. It was she turned five. I was 13. I was the oldest person at this party. <laughs> The youngest person was two, uh, but we went to Fern Gully as part of the, um, but I was like the entertaining best friend who always went over at their house. And she was like, Terry has to come to my party. I was like, yes, yes, I got you, kid. Um, So we went to this. And so I think it galvanized a whole bunch of little kids, too, like that went and saw this movie. And they are those kids that you speak of now that have grown up and have spent their whole lives. And I um. I'm on a kickball team and we had a sure. game last night. That's why I did not watch the debate because um, I was out kicking balls. Sure. Um, and Nor should you, by the way, don't watch the debate. No, I mean, I'm, I feel good I that I did it. I, mean, yeah, yeah. I feel like, yeah, there's no need to go ahead. I'm just watching like TikTokers rip, rip into yeah, them. That's yeah, yeah, fine. As you should. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the kids that I play with, I say the kids because I'm like their elder states lady on the kickball team at, mm-hmm. at, at you know, in my 40s. And they are like, you know, in their 20s and 30s um, of the kids which we speak of. And they all got really excited. I was like, I have to leave because they wanted me to go to the after party. And I was like, I got to go home and watch Fern Gully kids. I got to talk about it in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, <gasps> Like literally like their eyes lit up and uh, were so excited. And they were just like, that movie was everything. And I've heard that over and over again, you know, coming into this, um, seeing a meme the day I, I think we booked this of like someone posting that all the kids who watch Ferngully now are witches, like all those girls. <laughs> I mean, it does feel like a movie that, I mean, I also saw it in the theater. I was 12 when this came out and I, I have a pretty vivid, I think I saw it with my grandmother, but I, I do feel like, are you he a witch did... now, Phil? Obviously. I think yeah. are Warlock? men warlocks? Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I, I think I it's, now. it's more, now it's a new yeah. age. Yeah. I think it's yeah. more gender day. neutral now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, do we still say widower? We are should. We, we should just okay. start calling everyone a widower, even if you're married. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh yeah, I just I feel like this movie was just it, it it had its moment. It wasn't as successful as I thought it was in the theater. But I think it had a long life on video cassette that and DVD, and that yeah. watched it a lot. And Netflix, um, mm-hmm. and, and it did have a sequel. But I do feel like this movie, and and forgive me if to to, to feed this, you know, film Twitter nonsense. But Avatar felt like everyone was like Avatar is just Fern Gully. It felt like this. There was like people kept saying that he's ripping off Fern Gully, and there was actually a a lawsuit if i'm not mistaken or something close to a lawsuit that didn't actually go forward because these the movie's playing within myths right like it's not structurally i believe believe james cameron could prove he had the dream for avatar in college he had like a journal where he'd written it down and they were like okay right i mean it's it's the only reason that i bring this up is because it is sort of interesting how I mean, as is the case with so many children's films and animated films and Disney films, quite frankly, they're based on either fairy tales or on some sort of, you know, 
old myths and old stories. So to say that James Cameron is stealing from that, I think is absurd. Like James Cameron tends to write things within sort of very strict. It's the public domain, every man. Yes, we get it. Yeah, yeah. Thousand faces. All that being said. Joseph Campbell, whatever, like he's very in that. Yeah, totally. And then Emily last night emailed us, you know, and said, if it was Avatar, he would have stayed a bug person. And I, I mean, I he think that's up. true. It's true. I watched I, I this and was like, I would stay a bug person. I was surprised he left. Yeah. Well, he has to go it, take the news of Fern Gully to the people. Let's say you need a prophet. You got to send them back sure. to the people, right? So sure. he's 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 lived a life on both sides now. So we need to, you know. <laughs> he's a changed human. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, I want to give a little context for our listeners who might not have seen Fern Gully. Uh, the synopsis of this film is that Krista... Uh, voiced by Samantha Mathis, who I weirdly had a dream last night that I met and talked with her about Fern Gully. Uh, I met her. I met her in the 90s, and she's lovely. Yeah, I have a beautiful picture with her. She's so sweet. She follows me on Twitter. We follow each other. She seems lovely. Uh, Is a fairy who lives in Fern Gully, a rainforest in Australia that has never seen a human before. In fact, she is told they are extinct. But when a logging company comes near the rainforest, she sees that they do exist and even eventually shrinks one of them, a boy named Zach, a voice by Jonathan Ward. Now her size, Zach sees the damage that the company has done and helps Krista to stop not only them, but an evil entity named Hexus, voiced by Tim Curry, who feeds off of pollution. Fern Gully opened on April 10th, 1992 against Sleepwalkers, Basic Instinct, White Men Can't Jump, Beethoven, and of course, The Mighty Ducks, a murderer's row. Uh, it would go on to make $32 million on a $24 million budget at a 67% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 64 from audiences. Roger Ebert gave the film three stars uh, and said... Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, continues the fiction so reassuring at times that the most dangerous animal is man. The story involves the destruction of the rainforest. I am in favor of saving the rainforest, and I'm appalled by their wanton destruction. But is it not true that man is the only animal to which it has ever occurred that murder is wrong? Nature is the least sentimental of creations, is depicted most accurately in the old cartoon that shows a row of fishes, each one smaller than the next, lined up with their mouths open, all ready to eat each other cheerfully. Is it the nature of all living things to feast off of one another's living things? in order for us to survive what What? are you talking about (laughs) roger fucking ebert he gives this film three stars and then he goes into a whole thing about how like shouldn't we be allowed to destroy the rainforest i don't i don't really understand i don't think he's saying we should be allowed to destroy the rainforest i think he's saying that like (laughs) human humanity is the only species that would think to save the rainforest we're simultaneously the species that can destroy and that can save uh, you know, so what what are we doing here talking about Fern Gully when we should be like, I don't know, recycling more? What are 90s, we doing? 90s environmental messaging was so all over the map. And I sure, think that's sure. part of why it kind of like struggled to take hold. But like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, like people were like, you should recycle more. And that was like the thing people did because that was like sure. the one consistent. Like when message. did recycling start? Well, that's Do because that, that is was all like it's like the the cigarette people kind of thing, where it's like it's good for you having the doctors. Like they literally, it's the plastic people created the recycling campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they basically wanted us to use more of the stuff, and then they put the onus on us instead of on them. Do you know what I mean, though, to actually do that? So that's literally PR to get us to feel like we were the ones responsible for everything. Sure, when it's technically are. big conglomerates and corporations choosing 
certain types of packaging because it is cheaper for them once they figured out how to use it and just mm-hmm. mine the fuck out of it. Oh, sorry. I don't know right. if there's bad words allowed. No, yeah, you can, no, you can whatever. Start, please, please go. I'm sorry. Go I was like, sailor. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that, so I just looked up when recycling started mm-hmm. and it, cause I was trying to remember, cause there was a moment, which I think we're all kind of referring to where like blue bins started, right? Like we mm-hmm. actually started separating things. And I feel like it was in like the late eighties, early nineties is when it kind of started. I guess, technically speaking, in California, it starts in 89. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, which is kind of later than I thought, but it's kind of amazing that was a, there was a time when we just threw everything in a, in a fucking bin. And we, just, crazy. growing up in South Dakota, we did not have recycling until I like was in college. So early 2000s, the town oh, I wow. grew up in okay. didn't have a recycling, like you could separate out your recyclables and then take them to a nearby city and leave them there. But nobody wow. was going to fucking no do that. that yeah. It's just like, yeah, wow. it, it, it like what is interesting about this period in environmental discussion is that like it is kind of bipartisan. Like the Reagan administration almost does something about climate change. And then it's like, but we'd have to make oil companies do something. So we're not yeah. going to do that. Yeah. But like, you know, George George H.W. Bush signed some groundbreaking environmental legislation a lot of our environmental laws were still sort of clinging to were signed by nixon so like there is this like weird there's like this weird bipartisan consensus on basically we should keep everything clean like that's Mm -hmm. kind of what everybody can agree on and then um then but like i growing up in this era uh, evangelical it was very much like well that's stupid we should just be like using everything we can we should destroy everything we should be we gotta reach oh it's a big smaller fish yes yeah Yeah, we have to reach every corner of the earth right like we have to like me make sure we we touch everything so that jesus will come because i grew up my family's seventh-day adventist so growing up with that (laughs) your face fell (laughs) it's pretty it's very i I don't i i don't i mean we have a thing called the three angels message uh uh, that's okay. Can you, can you break that down in... for for us Jewish Canadians that might not know what? Oh that my God! Means? Well, I grew up Seventh Day Adventist, and I had to keep the Jewish like laws because we had Sabbath, so I had to go to church on Saturday. I took my SATs at like the Jewish Day School on a Sunday, like all that stuff. So, familiar with all of that. So all 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 your stuff plus the Jesus stuff on top. Cool. So imagine that. Cool. Super cool. I mean, it sounds. I mean, listen. I, I think it's great that you knew all of these things, though, right? Like, um, I don't know how, I mean, no, 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 I'm, I'm not religious at all, so I don't No, no, no. So, yeah, so we had to, Um. so the three angels' messages, the basically idea is in Matthew, like, 28, and it basically says, go out into all the world and preach, you know, to everyone. Oh, as soon as okay. everyone has heard the word of God and knows Jesus, that's when Jesus will come. Exactly. So that's why yeah. they have missionaries, like, literally all over the world. So same kind of similar with Latter-day, where it's like, we have to go literally everywhere and just, like, tell everyone uh. And so when we have that last, like, you know, um, that Amazon um, tribe or that last tribe that everyone's trying to get to, and they're like, oh, my God, you're going to get killed if you go down there because yeah. they're like, going to murder you. And they um, do. They do, which I love every time so bad. Um, but um, the idea is like, people are like, why aren't they leaving them alone? I'm like, because you've been taught that you cannot. You have to go tell them about Jesus. And then once this tribe probably knows, everyone thinks that Jesus will probably come again. Because it's all about indoctrination. Is that ultimately what we're talking? I about? like. I like. Want to go on a tangent here? Sorry, please. Please. Phil. Have you it. seen Phil? Have you seen the descent? I assume not. Please, no, Terry. Please. I assume you've seen the descent. Yeah. Yes. So, do we think? The like hardcore evangelicals who believe they have to witness to everyone are trying to get to the cave people from the descent. 
Because <laughs> it seems like that'd be pretty hard. It seems they like that'd be tricky. They are going to have to. And that's, yeah. I think the thing is like, they're still trying to figure out. That's why they're destroying everything. So we're like, we have to see what's underneath everything. We have to yeah. see what's everywhere. We have to find if there's any other people, any other, any other people anywhere, everywhere. We have to find the cave people because they're, <laughs> we have to talk to them. Can we make there's shirts a... that say we have to find the cave people? And just like... <laughs> that's our first I mean, 92 so hold on. merch. Forgive me. The, just, I, I need to, I need to parse this out a little bit because uh-huh. I have not seen the descent, nor do I really understand the religious context that we're talking about here. So I love it. So the the descent <laughs> um, is yeah. about uh, like a cave that people get trapped in. It's about th- it's about uh, six women who are on a caving expedition. They're like hardcore extreme okay. cavers, and they go into this cave that nobody's explored in a long time. And the first sure. half of the movie is so fucking scary and has no like monsters or anything in it. It's just like, what okay. if you got stuck? What if you just like were wedged in a cap crevasse in a cave and you couldn't move? It's very bad. It's very yeah, bad. See, it, as a claustrophobic person, yeah. that seems like a bad oh. idea. Oh, but yeah. Then, it's terrifying. Then, and it's dark. <laughs> then they get down into the depths of the cave and okay. there's cave people down there. And the moment when you reveal that there's like cannibal cave people <laughs> through like a night vision camera over somebody's shoulder, there's just this guy looming uh is like one of the scariest moments in all the film i'm like a horror nut i watch a lot of horror this movie fucked me up it's great you should watch it phil it's one of my favorite movies ever why are you why would you suggest that are you trying to scar me are you you trying to like create trauma in my life like watch it at 10 in the morning with all the lights on and all make sure the sun's on that's important the sun's on on. yeah oh no fully that like i am a big promoter of that i mean i do a horror movie you know podcast oh. but like i sometimes i'm like that's a 6 a.m movie like there's some movies i will literally watch as the sun is rising <laughs> to yeah. make sure that i have a whole day sure. for like comedy on top of it sure. it is one of those for sure but it is damn okay. good yeah. and those it's just the tension's so great and also just it's also really good um just the, the work between all the women who are just like the tension of have, a, like, a super depressing ending too it does sort of I don't know what you're talking okay. about. I don't know what you mean. What's depressing <laughs> for you? No. <laughs> okay. So here's, here's, okay. So now to rewind for, for me, mm-hmm. this idea is in the, is this in the Bible that like, yeah, Matthew, you, here, I can, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Matthew 28. So if you tell everyone about Jesus, he'll come back. Yes. Correct. So yes. are we yes. still, are there still un quote unquote untouched people? Thus, yes. Jesus has not come back. Yes, correct. <laughs> okay, there's a tribe on I think an island in the Indian Ocean who is uncontactable, okay. and like this is a thing that like <laughs> we know as just like like people sure. because occasionally sure. someone will like have their boat wash up on this island and then they just disappear. Like it happens every fifty years, right? And every so often, a missionary will go there and just get get shot by arrows like um and there are probably there are probably uncocked uncon uncontacted tribes elsewhere but this is like the one we definitely know about is okay they're on this island and if you want to go to them they will kill you so uh yeah they don't know about jesus they don't know about they probably don't know about television they probably don't know about fern gully honestly (laughs) Well, this is uh, obviously our episode on Fern Gully. So I, they I, are I, Fern Gully. No. Yeah. <laughs> <There> are. <laughs> so I do think, though, this is one of those movies that, um, and this this is kind of a thing that happened in the early mid '90s, where with the enormous success of Disney, um, you had these offshoot animation companies 
obviously Don Bluth and and you know uh, Spielberg tried to kind of do their whole thing, which was you know quite successful for the most part. Um, but they're sort of offshoot stuff. This is a kind of anomaly movie in the sense that like it did relatively well. It had a pretty big following, but it was done by this this I believe it was an Australian animation mm-hmm. company. I always um, assumed it was Don Bluth. It has nothing to do with nothing him. to do with him. Yeah. It's uh one thing I think is interesting is like a yeah. lot of these animated movies get greenlit because of the Little Mermaid. And obviously the Little Mermaid sure. is a hit, but in sure. 89 it was a, it was a sensation. It was not yet a world dominating thing that everybody knows about. It was like still kind of niche. It was a big animated movie, but animation was still kind of a niche thing. Sure. And Don Bluth had had a couple had had American Tale and Land Before Time right before that. Those were both fairly big hits it is interesting to me that land that little mermaid makes everybody say we got to do more animation and in terms of the timeline it has to be that movie because like it was again it was big but it was not like batman big you know it wasn't aladdin big we're still a few years away from when aladdin and lion king become the biggest movies ever but like everybody saw the upside for some reason so i don't know yeah i mean i it's to, to sort of underline your point it's also incredibly time consuming, incredibly expensive, and not a guarantee that it's going to be successful. So mm-hmm. to your point, it's interesting that The Little Mermaid is this beacon where everyone's like, we got to follow this thing. But I mean, my guess is Frankly comes out in 92. Mm-hmm. It's probably put into pre-production shortly after The Little Mermaid, to your yeah. point, right? Like, so yeah. it's kind of crazy. They'd been trying to make it for years, and then the success of The Little Mermaid means that they can get the money to do it. And I don't know what you're saying about it being time-consuming to do animation. After I watched this last night, I made an animated movie, released it to yeah. theaters. It's made a lot yeah. of money. It's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that's fantastic. They had to make it quickly because Robin Williams went in and did what he did, where he like, yeah. you know, did all this ad-libbing. So they had to make it quickly, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I it is. So we, we, we talked about Aladdin. That was our first episode that we did of, of 99 of 1992 that we did with SD Heim. And we talked a little bit about obviously the Robin Williams of it all, but I want to kind of talk about two things. The first is Robin Williams is clearly a guy who you just put a microphone in front of and, uh, and it just kind of, um, uh, sorry. <laughs> okay. I was just looking at the, uh, the chat that Terry sent us in terms of um, uh, this is the, is this the, this quote, is the, the Bible quote. Yeah, this is the biblical okay. this quote. This is Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Yeah, I'm not going to read it, but uh, this okay. is why Aaron Sorkin is wrong. Continue. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, so what I was saying is that Robin Williams feels like a guy where you put a microphone in front of him and he gives you twenty hours of material and then you go off and you animate that. Um, he does Fern Gully before Aladdin, um, and Disney didn't well specifically Katzenberg didn't like that he had this other animated movie so it yeah. created this kind of discord between the two of them yeah um which is only exacerbated by Disney kind of screwing Robin Williams in a bunch of ways when Robin Williams was very specific about the way that he wanted this film Aladdin to come out um and in the process they quashed and kind of fucked over Fern Gully's theatrical release as well so like it couldn't be in as many theaters and and quite frankly, might have led to why it wasn't as successful as it could have been. Also, Mighty Um, Ducks, another Disney property coming right up against them at the same time. Yeah, it's all kind of it's and there was like a theater count thing, if I'm not mistaken, because I remember here reading 
So yeah, shortly after signing up the film, Robin Williams was approached about voicing the genie in Aladdin. He accepts Katzenberg got wind of the fact that Ferngully existed. And then Katzenberg went out of his way to sabotage Ferngully, such as taking over studios. The production had rented uh, by taking, paying more and attempting to buy space and forcing them it, real kind of like, you know, fucking shitbag stuff to do. Um, but you know, yes. I'm it's, so Disney must own Ferngully now. Because they own the 20th Century Fox. I, th- I think this is in the Fox library. It is. So, like, is. Ferngully could be, like, a Kingdom Hearts level. Like, that's a thing that could happen. <laughs> like that. I mean, I got to be honest. As I was watching this film, I did think to myself, I'm a little surprised no one has tried to tap into the Ferngully-verse. Like, it's, it, it does feel like it's pretty ripe for something. I mean, I, I, I'm a little surprised. There's all, there is all this fucking early 90s environmental stuff aimed at kids there's this in captain planet there's echo the dolphin there's the computer game eco quest mm-hmm. like it's it is kind of fascinating it's just like and a lot of that stuff is pretty trashy i'm just gonna say up front i'm not a fern gully fan i watched this for the first time in my 40s and i was like this movie seems like it's made for kids um but uh the oh, yeah. St. Jams, it absolutely yeah. is. It no, absolutely I know. Is I, know. Kids. I so can't cute. wait for a Beethoven episode if you're pulling this kind of. Oh, no. I saw, I saw, I saw Beethoven when I was a child, though. So I have enough okay. nostalgic memories of the Big B oh, okay. to be like. <laughs> yeah. I think this is similar enough to like what they're kind of doing. Um, if you're talking, get like a modern equivalent with the um, Tinkerbell kind of like they have a Tinkerverse kind. Of Kind of sure, right now sure, with all sure. the fairies and they have all those little offshoots and that's what i think they're if disney owns this technically i feel like that's what they're focused on if you're looking for some little fairy show um it just feels like now you know not to bring this back to climate change but it does feel a little bit like you could do this right now in a way that would really connect yeah. um i'm just so i surprised. think i do think somebody will take a chance like apple made that climate change show that's yes, for sure, adults sure. it's not for yeah. kids but like i do think that like you know if disney did it they would like get in you know people would be like this is too woke i think it's too yes, you're right, controversial you're right. to make a show about how we're all gonna die because we've destroyed the planet. <laughs> yeah i hear that i mean i i think that there is kind of a there's a mysticism to this movie mm-hmm. that that gives you a little bit of cover too, right? Mm-hmm. Where like you don't you don't have to be so like don't get me wrong, Jax is is it Jax? What's the guy's the the main character's name? Forgive me, uh, Zach. 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 Ha- Zach. Today, I think you'd be hard pressed to do the uh, construction worker. With a heart of gold, like he, you know what I mean. Like I think he that seems tough. like he's maybe like twelve, and also maybe like in his like mid thirties. Like yeah, he can't. Say, he's sort of time. He's a man child. He's a man child, yeah. like fully. Uh, that's you know this like the Judd Apatow team should reboot Ferngully. It should yes, just yeah. Yes, it should yes. just be Seth about Rogen as Zach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 hey! <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, that, I would watch the hell out of that. But I do. Would, so yeah, I, the Krista character, um, who kind of has this like Bjorkish nymph vibe, which I'm very much into, um, yeah. in terms of like this sprightly kind of angelic fairy kind of thing um, with a little bit of edge to her, um, I think is a great character. And I would argue she's the, she's the lead of this movie. Mm-hmm. And Zach is kind oh, absolutely. of- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, going along for the ride. They really, um, they really yeah. flip the usual fairy story. I think the humans are extinct. No, they're real. I think my big problem with this movie is I think Samantha Mathis, who I love normally, I just watched the Peter Bogdanovich movie, The Thing Called Love, and she's fantastic in that. And her mm-hmm. hair is astonishing. Um, but uh, I think her performance in this is terrible. I think this is really bad work by her and really bad work by Jonathan Ward. Like Jonathan Ward does not have a illustrious career by any means. I, and it's, I don't put it on them. I put Magnolias. It on, listen, listen, I know, I know. Wait, is he in Steel Magnolias? Magnolias? Yes. The guy's had, he had a career. He did. This guy up. Sorry. Did. Yeah, look uh, him up. He's uh, but yeah, I think that the directors he's played a lot of mean guys too. <laughs> this is so I early. This, okay, this yeah. is yeah. so early in the careers of of people, just regular old ass right. people, regular actors doing voiceover that like yeah. the directors don't yet know to ask them to heighten it by fifteen percent. No. Samantha Massis is giving a great performance for live action and animation. It kind of gets swallowed, especially when you have Robin Williams right there doing his whole thing yeah and tone freaking loke yeah i mean tim curry bringing it and understands how to like you know go he knows how to do drama yes and 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 he's tremendous in this um i don't know if you guys have watched the recording there's a youtube of tim curry recording the song uh toxic love that is single-handedly the horniest thing i've ever seen in my life i'm like this is not for kids it's, everything it's, he does though i'm so sorry is very horny and it doesn't absolutely. matter that's As just who he be. is and i, am not I in any love way him judging. so much but this, in this particular video i was like wow i can't believe you actually put this on film it's 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 tremendous i mean hexus, I agree with you, hexus it's, is fucking hot like hexus he is, is hot he's yeah, Blushin's very sexy why yeah. is Blushin so sexy maybe that should be the shirt that's a bigger question that's <laughs> every a bigger time question. you know what when there were floodwaters in la i was like i better bathe in these because it's hot it's so <laughs> Talk sexy yeah. i i think that um you're absolutely right emily that Robin Williams, Tim Curry, understand the assignment. Tone Loke, understand the assignment. Um, and because Krista and Zach are a little flat, mm-hmm. I mean, the movie. Well, you also have Cheech and Chong. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, like, that's yeah, 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 part of the yeah. problem is like you have these like, yeah. not problem, but like you have these amazing people around them. I don't know. I, I just I looked up Lion King like right after because I was like, what's the I was like, oh, Lion King's like two years later yeah. after this. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It just I'm- I don't know. I would honestly say I would honestly say Lion King is the first movie to figure out how to have those just two kind of normal voices in the center of a bunch of comedians. I think Mm -hmm. Aladdin's better at it than Ferngully, but I think Mm -hmm. when you think about great things about Aladdin, you don't think about the voice performances of of Aladdin and Jasmine. You're you're just you just don't. So, yeah, I think I think it takes a while for animation as a field to like now, of course, they're great at it. But like animation as a field, it takes a second for them to come up with how are we going to cast a celebrity in our main role, but also have them give a credible vocal performance because on camera work is so different from just voice work, as we all know from the podcasting industry where we're professionals. I I mean, I think you're absolutely right, though, Emily. Like, I, I really do think that there's there is something to be said for um understanding the different levels and making Mm -hmm. sure that they could all kind of coexist. I mean, this movie, as you mentioned up top is quite short. Uh, It's 74 minutes with credits. Um, Like it's, it's a brief movie, um, which I think is in its favor to a certain degree. I think that like keeping it short, keeping it kind of 
you know, quippy and helps, but the scenes in particular between just Zach and Krista definitely feel low energy in comparison to like everything else around them. Well, they're trying Um, to force the love story that should not be there. It's so weird. I'm like, why? I don't disagree, but I have to say that um, a dream worth keeping rips. (laughs) So, I mean, the the songs are generally good. I do yeah. like the songs. Like, yeah. Songs are good. I mean, it is. The, I'll say this, though. As good as the songs are, there's, like, no consistency. They're all drastically dissimilar in tone and vibe. So another thing that I think these movies kind of realize pretty quickly, Emily, um, is, and I think hopefully you agree, but, like, there's a, they get one person, they get an Elton John to do a bunch of songs, or they get someone to kind of create this, baseline so that all the songs feel of a piece none of these songs feel of a piece like they're just so scattered but they also did get an elton john song so it is kind of that beautiful thing of like i guess like you said emily they were still trying to figure it out they were like well that elton john song was great for fern gully can we have him do everything for the lion king like you know what do you what do you do next so yeah it's it's i mean but when you have like tone loke and and gloria estefan is it gloria estefan she has a song in this, right? Am I crazy? Am I making that up? I think so. I want to say she did, but forgive me if I'm completely wrong in that. Um, I'm just looking up the uh, the soundtrack. We have Thomas Dolby did a bunch of it as one of the writers who I love. Yeah. Um, um, Raffi. Sorry, it's, Sheena, it's Sheena Easton. That's who <gasps> I, I unfortunately got that mixed up with. Like Gloria That's Stone. okay. Um, and, and it should be said, too, that Robin Williams uh, did perform Batty Rap. So it, it, is, it is him. Um, I, I think the songs are fun. I enjoyed them, but there's kind of no rhyme or reason for some of them. Anytime um, you have Thomas Dolby and Raffi contributing to your soundtrack, you're like, maybe a little bit like, like eclectic. The Raffi song, yeah, it's just, it's, it's doing a lot. This, this movie just has so much going on. Um, I also just, one little piece of trivia that I loved is that in Spain, this movie was dubbed entirely by comedian Angel Garo. Oh, yeah. Single-handedly did every single voice and he's in the guinness book of records for it which i think is incredible um uh, that is a insane fun fact and i need to see that cut of it like stat but <laughs> i need it now uh i also oh, think it's great wow. that tim curry's original voice recordings were deemed too sinister and eerie so he had to re-record them all because they made children cry during test screening because <laughs> well, he's already been like the darkness you know what i mean though so like he's already literally played satan and so i think he's probably it was, i'm sure he went hard um i just looking here too. jimmy buffett also yes. wrote on this correct correct holy goodness yeah it's so it's really this movie is for 74 minutes, Emily, you got to admit this movie's doing a lot. I mean, yeah, I, I honestly, <laughs> honestly, I think, I think like, that's, but it's that good, but yeah, it's that good. Yeah. It's, uh, I think, yeah, that, that maybe <laughs> normally we'd make that a complaint. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> um, I also need to say that Robin Williams provided 14 hours worth of improvised dialogue for Batty. So, I mean, there you go. Um, um, I want to much... hear some of the other cuts because I feel like there was probably so many other things oh that God. they could have thrown in there. Yeah. So how much, much of that is just him doing impressions of obscure political figures from the 50s and being like, see, I thought you were this... going to say various types of bats. 
Uh, here's the thing. I watched this. I watched this movie a couple days after I played this game called Redactyl, where you fill in gaps in a Wikipedia article and figure out. I play it with my wife. We do that together. It's very fun. Okay. And That's one lovely. of the days, uh, the uh, the answer was the classification for fruit bats, which is megabat, and that was all I could oh. think about. Is Robin Williams going to say the word megabat? And he does not. He does not megabat say the word megabat. Sounds, megabat. That fun. Yeah, that's a good movie title. Megabat. Would watch. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. Just a giant it would be bat. too so scary. You wouldn't watch it. You I'd, be watch, like, I'd watch that before I'd watch the fucking Descent. Well, of course. Yeah. What if? Yeah, what the if... Descent is terrifying. <laughs> um. So this movie opens with some really lovely visuals that I really liked, which was like mm-hmm. this almost cave paintings esque kind of mystical what have you. Um. I actually think this movie, which is mostly hand drawn. Um, they did implement some computer-generated animation, which really kind of obviously comes much more into the fold in uh, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and like like they start to use it as, if for sort of set PC stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I really loved the kind of old-school hand-drawn component mm-hmm. of this movie. I thought it actually worked for this movie. But what what did you guys think? Um, yeah, I mean, I love <laughs> I love I love hand-drawn animation. Yes. Um, but you also, is a question? Was there a well, question? No, I just like I think you you put this up. I think part of the problem is that like this has Robin Williams and Aladdin has Robin Williams, and they're released within months of each other. And Aladdin's animation is so much better. It's just yes. like, yeah. But go ahead, Terry. And the genie it is, is also, so much better. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. Terry. Yeah, but I love um, like you're talking about the opening sequence. That's one of the things I had some fun notes on too. I just love that like it looked like handprints at first, like yeah, on the wall, yeah, yeah. but then you realize later, oh no, those are trees um, that are telling part of the story, and you're like, oh, okay, like. Um, it's trying to connect us as humans to the earth. And I thought of that, if you're just going to look at that one snippet for the minute and that gives you kind of like the log line, so to speak, of the movie, it does it visually right there, tells you the story of kind of what we're connecting to, right? Totally. I thought that was really beautiful and really smart. So anyhow. I, I mean, I, I have yeah. to say that despite the fact that I do see where you're coming from, Emily, in terms of the fact that like this whole movie doesn't totally hold together, I did find myself watching it thinking about how thoughtful it was that it did have sort of a re- not just a really good message, but you could tell that like a, just a lot of thought and love was put into this thing. And I, 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 I want to compare it to like, you know, I worked in a video store for many years, as our listeners know, and there were so and continue to be so many straight to video kids movies Um especially after the sort of the Disney boom and they able to figure out a way to do kind of animation on the cheap, you'd have a lot of these kind of straight to video, you know, weird schmageggy companies making these like animated movies. Um, And they would do well. And some kids would watch them and parents were fine to plop their kids in front of them. And I feel like this movie kind of weirdly gets clumped in there a little bit with this sort of, because it's not Bluth, because it's not Disney, it feels sort of in this substandard kind of universe, which I don't think is, I'm not saying you're saying this, Emily, but I do think that like, that's unfair to a certain degree. I do think this movie has more thought put into it than that. It is, it is a lot cheaper animation. Like, and it's not like, like it's not direct to video cheap, but it's definitely like a missing link between that and Disney slash Bluth who are like really at this point, they're both in like an arms race to see who can make the most sumptuous, uh, animated uh, uh 2d animated stuff and this movie is just kind of like you know it is it is a thing that they very clearly had a tight budget on 
and tight budgets affect even animation. And so like it, it definitely, it just feels a little chintzy, which is fine. You know, I think, again, I think the message of this movie is, 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 is good. And I, I, but it, it, there's definitely this feeling of, yeah, this is based on some, uh, like 500 of this lady's stories that they've compressed into like 70, 76 minutes of, of, uh, we got to get that deep lore real quick for the kids. I, yeah, I'm so sad you didn't get to see this as a young person, Emily, because I feel like this would have been your jam then. Um, and I mean, everything know. was my jam then. I, I saw <laughs> every movie I saw, I was like, that's either a 99 or a hundred or a zero. And uh, that's uh, well, it does feel like, I, you know, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this because the movie that, that we're, that we're releasing next week um sort of falls into this category a little bit, Emily. Uh, we'll get to it in a second when we get to the end. But I do think that the songs really work. I think that perhaps a 11 or 12-year-old Emily St. James might have locked on to some of the musical components. Do you think that that's a possibility? Oh, um, one of my great fantasies was becoming tiny. I wanted to be <laughs> like, I saw Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and was like, I want to be a little small person. And like, that is still like in the back of my brain. Like I watched this movie and I was like, do I still want to be like a bug person? Do is that a still a thing? I think, and you know what? I think if I could be like little and have wings and do magic, I would. I think I would succeed. Re- I think I would thrive as a pixie. I just want to be clear. I think you would that. too. Yeah. Well, Here's the here's the other question. Would you want to downsize, like in the film Downsizing? Well, Would I don't like get magic powers. I don't get magic powers or wings. So no, but you're no. little. You said you wanted to be a little person. I mean, you I wouldn't mind tiny. being I wouldn't mind being little. I think that would be kind of fun. The problem with downsizing is that then everything Stupid fucking cat. cat. Uh, The problem with downsizing is sizing is that they just downsize everything. So you have to to speak about movies that are kind of incoherent about climate change, but also kind of great. Um, The downsizing uh, for sure. uh, um, But yeah, they make everything (laughs) small as well. So you're kind of just living in your normal world, but now you're small. I want to have to fight like fight like bugs and and like have a cat be the scariest thing i could possibly see like that's what i want that's the kind of person i want to be that is I so like terrifying to me no i like imagining a tiny emily st james on a beetle flying around sounds great that sounds fucking dope yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds let's, dope. Just, let's do that let's yeah, make let's, that let's happen that. <laughs> i'm literally so terrified i'm the opposite i have the opposite reaction for all of those movies like honey i shrunk the audience at disney was like the scariest thing to me to be in that attraction and, what's like, that i don't know that it's like a uh whatever like a 3D, whatever like okay. 3d like uh okay. visual like movie experience it was okay. in the old captain eo theater they that's what was the next thing they put in there wasn't um, it mm-hmm wasn't it one of Rick Moranis's last things before he went off and like, like semi retired? Yeah. 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 And I, so it's just like a little, it was like an interactive experience. You'd go in there and you get into the movie theater and then they're like, we shrunk the audience. And so like uh, you have the, the point of view in like your 3d glasses of being tiny and having to like, like scary. <laughs> <laughs> like a lawnmower coming at you and you're in the blades of grass, like all that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. I do not. When I have to, I mean, literally everything will kill you. Everything. That's, that's surprising. I, yeah. I think I would have, I think, I mean, I'm not a, a ride person. I don't go on rides because. Uh, I thought you were going to say you're not a tiny person. I was like, none of us is. And that's the problem. <laughs> I, I just, uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I, 
Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which we covered on our Patreon for 1989 uh, a few years ago. Um, like that movie. I like that movie. I think the movie's that movie good. fucking slaps. I love yeah, that movie. I, I've not seen Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, which came out in 1992, which is something we might cover in the future. I'm kind of mad that we haven't covered it yet. We, we'll cover it whenever you want to cover it. I'm There's like, a young Carrie Russell in it. Is Let's there just, really? Yeah, she's the love interest. Let's just yes. Now let's I'm, just, now I'm you, let's yes, just you is. and I do, do yeah. honey. Yeah. I blew up the kid because yeah. it's uh, done. Yeah, it's a bad sequel. Honestly, <laughs> it like is. It's, it's it is. Uh, it's one of the first movies I remember being like a want, really wanting to see and then not going to see in the theaters. Mm. But like because it's just like I mean the logic sort of makes sense. Okay, we made everything yeah. small in the first one. Now we're gonna make Pretty one big. kid big, yeah. but it's also just like. No, I've seen that a billion times. I want to see more little tiny people and they have to fight bugs and but stuff. But did they in the third one, Honey, we shrunk ourselves. Which is direct to video, but yes. Direct to video. And they tiny did the again. right they did the right thing, which is right. now they're inside. Like that's what they should have done with right, right, right. it should have been Honey, I shrunk the kids again, and they should have had to be inside. And like maybe you could be like Honey, I shrunk you, and it's just like about a wife that's small. I a tiny wife. Love that. You want to be tiny wife. Look you at would be tiny You're wife. like, I volunteered to be tiny wife. Oh my gosh. Aww. Someone's going to make that. That's a yeah. fucking like, that's a TLC show. That's it what David Zaslav, David Zaslav, call me, develop shrinking technology and I will play tiny wife on your, on your reality show. Tiny wife. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, I'd watch that. Tiny wife, happy life. Is Is that just watching Emily just be Emily, but she's tiny? Is that? Well, you know, every so often you'll be like, how will Emily survive this? And then you'll like, like put a, put an ant in with me or like the season finale is one of my cats comes to find me. And knocks over like a cup of coffee. And then all of a sudden you're like riding a wave of coffee. This does sound like like really hard to exist as a tiny person. I mean, I'm trying to think like there have been a lot of movies about things being shrunk or tiny. Yeah, Inner Space. Mm-hmm. Great movie. I fucking mm-hmm. love Inner Space. I want to be clear when I say I want to be a tiny person. I mean, I want to be a quarter inch tall. Like, no, I'm I not, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, just yeah. want to yeah. because there are there are obviously people who are, yeah. you know, uh, have dwarfism or whatever who are sure, sure, wonderful sure. And, and everything. Yeah. I want to be shrunk artificially to the size sure. of a quarter inch tall. Right, and so then like have the size to, of a peanut. Yeah. And then have yeah. to do battle with like insects. Sure. Like that's my dream for my life. So um, while, while we talk, why are we to- talking about no, no, this? We're, this is what we should be talking about, obviously, because Ferngully is about little things. This is um, true. 
I I want to ask one one follow up question on the on the tiny things. Uh, what are your thoughts on um a little houses? You know, like this, oh, tiny homes. Your, tiny homes. Yeah, sorry. The tiny home movement. I yeah, the tiny home movement. What are your thoughts? I think on it that? is a terrible scam. Um, <laughs> because really feel Terry? oh, sorry. Yes, I do. You can't spell terrible without Terry. I think it is a terrible scam because it's this thing of they're like, well, we've uh, decimated the economy. We've decimated everything for you all this generation. What is left for you? You could aspire to a tiny home. Like literally, I'm like. They are really doing a number on us. The ad campaign, the marketing that is behind that stuff, the HDTV shows on it. I'm like, oh, they're like, sorry, we literally can't give you guys anything. You can hope to own 150 square feet. That's it. Good luck. And if you can't function in that, there's something wrong with you. Like that whole thing. I don't like Mm -hmm. it. We're in a space where the housing supply in the United States has been stagnant for 30 years. We need to build more housing. You know, we need to build more public housing. We need to build more like uh, apartment complexes. We need to build more low income housing, all this stuff. And the solution to that has been, what if we just made little boxes that we could like make people go in the box? And like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to do that, just put them all in the same building. And then you kind of like have a situation where a lot of people are kind of in the same camaraderie. And obviously there have been problems with this in the past, but like, I don't feel like those problems are unsolved to unsolvable to the degree that we need to make everybody live in just like a little like tiny postage stamp except for me when i'm tiny and there's there's so many apartments that are just empty empty so that's a whole nother thing we can get into the i sit there that's like my my late night thing is i watch infrastructure videos i'm such a like (laughs) infrastructure nerd <laughs> and that's like my 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 yeah my happy place. Terry, yeah. you and I have talked about the city nerd, right? Oh yes, what yes. He's he's a YouTuber who is my husband. Um, I'm kind of in love with him. He's a very boring white man who talks about infrastructure, and I'm like, uh-huh. mm, give what it a to me sexy all day. Boy. Yeah, give it to me all day. <laughs> this is incredible <laughs> to I the degree I... that I have Googled whether he's married and is just he? been like. Uh, yeah, the problem is he lives in Vegas. So, like, I don't want to live in Vegas. No. I don't want to, like, I, I, a, Vegas I, should not exist. It's so weird. I just don't understand how like, there's nothing, no water. Not wanting to break <laughs> up his marriage comes second to not wanting to live in Vegas in my book, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think the city nerd and I would be very happy together. Not wanting to break up my marriage is comes he, third, evidently. <laughs> Or a podcast? Yeah, yeah it's a YouTube, YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing, oh, okay. and he just talks about like he'll like rank cities in terms of you know walkability or whatever. He's very like a new, much new urbanism, which is mm. a, a movement I can get behind. He yeah. uh, he doesn't have a lot of great feelings about Los Angeles, but he does prefer it to many other metropolitan areas that are much worse. So uh, that's the thing about Los Angeles is the city nerd thinks it's mid, so therefore I can stay. I I just want to say that you should end every sentence, Emily, with until I'm tiny. <laughs> Listen, if the city nerd and I could live in a little tiny box together and we had like doll furniture and that was how we like got around and worked. I think I that's like my dream is that tomorrow I wake up. I wake up, you know, very small and there's little doll furniture. I'm like Polly Pocket size. Mm-hmm. And I look over and who else is there? And he's the city nerd. And sure. he says, who are you? And I'm like, I'm your new tiny wife. 
and you're my tiny husband and we have to make do in our little box house and he's like but what if a cat comes and i'm like we're gonna fight the cat That's okay great. so we're it. making tiny fiction yes. and i'm tiny fanfic it. what's what's the problem yeah. yeah um so question for for the group uh favorite song from fern gully do you have a favorite song oh gosh oh, yeah okay oh Toxic love, of course. Okay. 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 I, I'm a karaoke jockey as well. People call okay. me karaoke. That is one of my Amazing. one of my my sure. things out in the world that I do. Um, and um, people always ask me like, what song? You know, if they if they don't have an idea for a song, and you know, people want me to pick something for them, and I'm uh-huh. like, ugh, I hate picking songs. So like for people, I'm like, give me some o- options. But if they don't have any options, I give them Toxic by Britney Spears, which I think. <laughs> Is they also a perfect song? Yeah. So anything yeah. about Toxic Love, apparently, I guess, is my jam. Um, I don't know what that says about me and my Toxicity singlehood. Toxicity is your, is your jam. Toxicity. Yeah. Yes, I love. Wake up. Um, I love it all. Um, so, sure. But Toxic Love is great. And it's also very sexy. And it's Tim Curry, who is one of my favorite actors. My cats are literally named Rocky and Frankie Amazing. for a reason. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, it's also a, actually a really well animated sequence as well. Mm-hmm. Like the surrealism of the way that that. And that, the oozy goozy. It's yeah. great. Yeah, it's 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 it is it's definitely the best song um yeah. but I, I i i cannot believe i talked about how attractive i find the city nerd on a publicly available podcast city nerd i'm not actually coming to break up your marriage or make you tiny if you happen to hear this i think you're wonderful and i love your youtube channel <laughs> this is incredible that i you like this disclaimer no sometimes you have to though there's some other youtuber or slash podcaster sure. person who just got in trouble for saying some hyperbole and lost one of their sponsorships really? because okay. they were like this lady they went on a tour a european tour uh, a wine tour and ended up having to do some crazy walking thing and said she wanted to kill the um whatever the the, sure, the lady sure. who was the tour guide because it was she didn't realize it was a legit walking tour she had to walk like a mile like okay. and not just go taste wines and so <laughs> that's amazing the yeah, joke's I, on them. We don't have any sponsorships. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead, Phil. Yeah, it all worked out. Uh, I I do think if I'm going to eat somebody, it might as well be you, performed by Tone Loke, is a good song. I thought you were just starting a new conversation. I was like, Phil, what? <laughs> no, that's the name of the song. No, I know. I love the first song, which I, I think is like the intro song to kind of Ferngully. I like yes, that yes, as an yes. opening that's song. That's a nice song. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, Did I you like called... uh, Baddie's Rock? Life is a magic thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think, listen, in general, I think Robin Williams should not be allowed to rap. That's just a like a thing that I a feeling I have. He's Batty's rap is fine, but like I just go ahead. Oh no, you're fine. I just I just was like, um, uh, my autobiography as I've always dubbed it. I'm like I, I it's in my little my notes my notes app on my phone is called White People Rapping at Karaoke, and that's just it. Um, as a for those who don't know who are, who are just listening right now, I am African American. I am a black person here. Um, uh, and yeah, the <laughs> amount of times I'm just like, well, and depending on the song choice, I'm like, hey, do you have alternate lyrics prepared for when you get to the words you need to have alternate lyrics for white people? It is a trip. So uh, I love Robin Williams to the moon and back, always and forever. And I will have to agree with you, Emily. Uh, I support that. I think. I mean, obviously, there are some white people who can rap, but I think for the most part, white people should skew toward patter numbers from musicals. Like, I will do the. What do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk? I'll I'll just like, (laughs) I will just like sing the fuck out of like anything from the music, man, because that is 
specifically pitched at my cultural background of Give being me some Gilbert and Sel- Sullivan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, now I got to talk to Aaron about Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, now we got to talk about uh, Studio 60. I got to go make sure my baby's studio. not dying. Oh, I'll be back. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, I, I first and foremost, I agree with your assessment that Robin Williams probably shouldn't rap. But I also feel like, and I, I feel like this is the right person to ask this, because it does feel like the in the early sort of late 80s early 90s when mm-hmm. rap is starting to really kind of it's it's ascension is starting to happen and you have mainstream, a lot of yeah yeah it yeah comes mainstream mm-hmm. and you have a lot of these um your vanilla ices uh, you know what i mean you're you're these situations where you just have a white person that's like well i can do that too yep. part of it being i'm sure that they're just like this let's just say resentment towards the fact that there is a subculture that they cannot quote unquote be a part of. Um, And I do sort of feel like this is obviously aside from Fern Gully, Robin Williams is just having fun. And I think that they're trying to be silly and they're just for kids. Of course. I love him. Um, No. Yeah. yeah. And and I I don't think that this is, I do not think that Batty is trying to culturally appropriate anything. No. But but at the same time, (laughs) I agree with what you're saying, which is that, we white people should stay away from it i I would say more times than not yeah it depends it it wholeheartedly depends it's just this weird thing of like some of the biggest rappers now are white and it's very strange not strange of just like i know that there are better uh flowing artists and stuff like that that's just not sure, the same sure, support sure. that are black <laughs> and yes. that is upsetting oh my gosh there is a cute the baby oh. and it's the cute she's looking sleepy yeah she- so she, the thing is, uh, baby just woke up mm-hmm. and uh, has been kind of babbling a little bit. And mm-hmm. now uh, normally would be in daycare at this time, but our daycare is closed today. So oh, I love uh, this baby. Baby has to hang out with us and yeah. she finds us extremely boring. So. I'm so not mad. I love you so much. And a baby is not impressed and I'm okay. Yeah. She's that. usually a lot more because she just woke up. Yeah. Judge me, baby. Judge me. It's but okay. Usually, eyes filled with wonder and excitement at at screens. Yes. Um. So you know. Now she knows that uh, she can watch Bluey, and she's mad we're not watching. I get Bluey, it. So, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So now she, I, she's going to go eat food. Good for her. Great. Yeah. As she should. Um. So I, I think that the one scene I wanted to point out that I did think was cute between Krista and Zach is the scene when they're talking about human life and yeah. like it's a little bit of the sort of fish out of water stuff. There's a real kind of cute vibe going on between the two of them there. And I think that um, it's it's probably the most endearing scene that they have in the film. Um, I think the scene with the Walkman when they find uh, Zach's Walkman is fun. Um yeah. Yeah, and Pips tries to like be like, "Oh yeah, I know how it works." And then right, he gets a uh, voice little... by Christian Slater. Yes, and they have the who I also love and also met in the '90s. I love him so much. Oh God, <laughs> I, I think that's probably him what... and Samantha Mathis dated. If I'm not mistaken. yes, they did. Yes, 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 <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, Lord, I, I, I wish. Like the nice thing, the thing about getting acquainted with Samantha Mathis now mm-hmm. is that I'm seeing what I would have been going for if I had been yes. born cis. Because yes. I would just have like spent all of the early '90s trying to capture her whole deal. The only thing I'd seen her in, only things I'd seen her in before we did this podcast, were 
um, uh, uh, Little Women 94, obviously the best version of that story. Everyone's favorite. And uh, the the, the strain, is that what it was called? The vampire show on FX? She was on the strain? Yeah, she played a city council member who's like, I think these vampires are becoming a problem. (laughs) That's wild. I did not know that. I have not seen a thing called love, but now I'm, I feel like I know. Oh, yeah. It's so good. She's great in that. Oh, she's Uh, so good in that. River Phoenix and Sandy, little Sandy Bullock and uh, uh, Jeremy Mulroney. They're all so good in it. It's such a fun movie. I'm adding this to my list. It's on Showtime right now. There you go. It was very, yes, very, very. I'm going to check that out for sure. Seminal for my upbringing. Yes, yes, yes. I I mean, Christian Slater's voice is so recognizable, but it works. And I also have to say, too, that the arc of Pip's character, I thought, was kind of great in the sense that he's a little bit of the villain only insofar as that he's obviously jealous of the fact that that Krista is into into a uh, human into a human into Zach and not him um but he doesn't turn out to be the bad guy like at the end of the day he's there and he helps and probably probably ends up with Krista anyway because Zach goes back to being a human mm-hmm. but like I just appreciated the fact that whenever a movie and it even it still happens but like when a movie character zigs instead of zags is always just a nice surprise at the end um they had a big bat obviously in the tim curry character so like they didn't need like a bat. so it I, it worked out in the end but i i really liked him in this i thought he was great well everyone's united against pollution right emily yeah exactly we all hate pollution uh, and we sure. should all, uh, yeah, uh, no. Uh, also, we should just dump as many chemicals as we want into the river because it's our river to despoil yeah. as we like. And yeah. if we as kill Roger all Reaper the animals, yeah. if we yeah. kill all the animals, that's fine. Because guess what? Once we talk to those people in the Indian Ocean, it's all over. It's all yeah, Jesus comes back. It'll yeah, be fine. Yeah. Exactly. It's going to be great. Um, I did like that, that like Krista sacrifices herself at the end um for the greater good and like she really kind of turns into a bit of a badass at the end of this movie in the sense of uh, which which i liked i liked that ultimately it was her story and that it really wasn't zach's story um which again sort of she's really the final girl yeah yeah Yeah. surprising in 92 in an animated movie like again i I think this movie is is (laughs) i hate to say but i think it's a lot bolder than you know, then I expected it to be. Yes! You know what I mean? Like, it does have a female protagonist um, who has a journey that I thought is really, for the most part, independently minded. Even if she does sort of fall for Zach, she kind of doesn't as well. That it has a positive climate change message. Like, I don't know. I was just, I was kind of surprised. I'm sure they were both down for it. I feel like that's like, um, I'm just remembering too, I was just looking through Samantha's stuff again. I was like, oh yeah, Pump Up the Volume came out in 1990. And so it also has a similar-ish kind of like, not environment, but like just like power to the people. Kind of like we have the opportunity to change the world coming from the young folks um, message. And I think that's interesting too, because it's her and Christian, obviously, again um coming back and kind of doing this so maybe i feel like maybe that's kind of from that mindset that they're pushing to have this done so um, why did i mean emily mm-hmm. you seem to be doing a little bit of a samantha mathis deep dive to some degree mm. um where did she go do we have any idea as she to, like, still does tv yeah in the sense that like it does feel like she kind of disappeared for a little while there yeah i think she just never um popped you know, she right. could not be a, like a credible rom-com star in the way that like, I think yeah. Sandra Bullock ate her lunch. I think Sandra Bullock just That's hit that fair. lane. 
Uh, the end of Thing Called Love is Sandra Bullock leaving Nashville to go to New York to become a movie star. Wait, and Lord, the, next movie, the next movie she makes is Speed. Phil, you are not going to be spoiled by me telling you the ending of Thing Called Love. It is... <laughs> Uh, you have seen that movie 500 times before, just not with this collection of characters. That's what's, that's, what's great about it. But she, the next movie she makes is speed. So like, it's just oh, like, it's off yeah. to the races at that point. Yeah. I mean, I do think that the, uh, for Samantha math is broken arrow where she plays again, the love interest to Christian Slater, ironically, uh, is probably the last time that she's a co-lead of a movie of a significant movie. It does feel like from that point on, it's, it's mostly supporting and smaller roles, which is a bummer. Cause I really like her. Um, I mean, she but, is an American psycho, which, you know, is, she is, but yeah, it's not like she's got, I mean, by the time it's, she's doing Atlas shrugged part two, yeah. it's just sort of like, yeah, she's taking what she can get. She gets really great work in television now, which yep. is cool and good yep. for her, but it's yep. uh, yeah. I mean, she was very fun on the strain. Uh, and she's been. I would love was, her for forever. She was her. very fun on Billions too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, that's right. She's on Billions. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, listen. I, I've, I've always really liked her. Um, as we discussed on our, um, uh, this is my life episode. I think she's great in that. Um, I think that she, yeah. I, I just, I, I think the kind of, I think you're absolutely right, Emily. That like Sandra Bullock just kind of eats her lunch, and, and that's kind of what happens. But yeah. it's still fascinating nonetheless. But, um. So yeah, basically, you know, at the end of this movie, they you know they defeat Tim Curry um, by uh, essentially growing a plant inside him, which sort oh, yeah. of traps him inside a tree, which is pretty rad. I gotta say, when he so they you think he's dead at one point because they kind of like blow him up, but then he turns into this like fire demon thing that I was like, this is actually kind of like scary. I, I imagine that for kids, it might've been a little bit scary. Um, it was <laughs> for the little kids. I went with to the movie. Yes, yeah. it was a little bit. Yeah. But then, um, but then Krista essentially like plants a seed inside him and he gets sort of trapped inside a tree again, uh, where he was sort of trapped in the beginning um, until the, the, I guess the construction kind of cut down the tree and, and let him out for lack of a better way of putting it. But I don't think I would like to become a tree. No. Tiny person, yes. I don't want to become a tree. That sounds yeah. That's once on this island. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Musical theater reference, kids. Um, the sure. end, the, the end, the, the yeah. One of the characters ends up a tree. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it every time. It's so. It's so. Oh, devastating. <laughs> so, um, at the no. at the end of these episodes, Terry, we rate our films. We rate them rate. from zero to ninety nine. Zero being the okay. lowest, ninety nine obviously being the highest. Um mm-hmm. we try to rate it back in ninety two. Then we rate it today to see okay. sort of how our perspectives have changed. Phil, yes, can I, I ask you something before yeah, before we rate? Yeah. If you would you marry a like a fairy pixie person? Because I that is like I think when people think of this movie's <laughs> avatar that's what they're thinking about is like that that sort of almost romance but also like the vibes of this movie are similar environmentalist message like a strong kind of female character who ends up sort of being the protagonist and lead of the movie uh obviously like you know there are there are you know the the giant tree is destroyed or whatever like there are superficial similarities but i think thematically that's what people are grasping onto Mm -hmm. so i'm just like I do strongly feel like Zach should have stayed tiny. And that's not just because I want to be tiny. It's because I feel like that is like 
I don't know. I just don't believe. Are he's... you asking if I would stay tiny, would or you would stay, I, in would my you stay tiny? Form, no, no, no. I don't okay. think that that would be a good okay. idea. If you yeah, were no, suddenly tiny, if you were suddenly tiny, and you met a tiny fairy, and they were like falling in love with you, and she was I mean, Samantha Mathis, essentially. Yeah. She's Samantha Mathis, and does she kind of look like Bjork? I mean, yes. yeah. The, I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, that yes. seems like your your kind of jam. I also I, like. Yeah. Wouldn't you get tired of her having magic powers and you not having magic powers? Or would that be okay? I mean, I think I'd be okay. I mean, if I'm being completely real, uh, I would love to be a kept fairy. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I would. I, that sounds great to me. If I could find I love a way. This. Just <laughs> he just does lovely. magic things for you all the time and just makes yeah. your life fully magical. Yeah. It's great. And yeah. I mean, I, and I have like a giant Walkman where I can yeah. listen to my. Then what else do I need? Really, and have a dance party every now and again. Sounds great. Yeah. yeah. And 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 like, you know, from a food perspective, I mean, you could live on like a grape for days. Yeah, that's what's great about like being tiny. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so you know, I I think I mean this is. Not to not to go back to downsizing, but it does feel like downsizing's whole thing is like if we can just make ourselves smaller, then we can live longer because of all the things we have in the world. I it's do. A, it's a I feel message. like if you were, so that, we can save our resources. Yeah, yeah. it's I probably feel should like, just be better with the ones we have. Maybe yeah, that's, I would agree. If you were know. that small, you could survive off like nectar. Which would be yeah. cool. You could just yeah. like dump like a little nectar into your mouth yeah. and be like, I'm good for the Or day. like a grain of sugar. Yeah. You'd be like, this is, this is the, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a salt lick for months. Yeah. Ugh. I hate this so much. I do not. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something in the aversion. To, I don't know why the aversion to me, it makes me so angry. I think it's just one of those things where I'm just like, I don't want less. I mean, I get capitalism is bad, but I do not want tiny i just think it's I mean, misguided i think it's evil i think it comes from a place of <laughs> worry and fear i do not like this is like i love you would be like on stage at a political debate and everyone would be like well we should become tiny and you'd be like no it is not it is not right uh, looking, tiny. looking at my baby uh yeah. the, ba- the baby is doing so much work to grow up like it's so much work to grow up and learn everything and we all went through that and we should all be proud of that and not want to become tiny and yet look at me i do there's a there's a tabletop role-playing game called household this is the last i'm going to talk about this i promise but it is about Lies. like it is about like <laughs> little like people fighting each other and like having adventures in a big house like little little like fairies borrowers that sort of thing and i've always wanted to play it but i'm not sure you know if, if i'm ready for the experience because one one time i played a role-playing game and became a girl and now i'm just like worried i'm gonna like unlock a thing for myself that and become way. tiny well, no, because I can't become tiny, and I might just get so sad. <laughs> so, in terms of rating this film, um, in, in 1992, as I mentioned, I saw it. I have a vague recollection of seeing it and, and thinking it was fine. I think I probably would have given it like a 60. I, did, I didn't really love it as a kid. Um, I liked it a lot more this time. Um, I'm, I'm going to give this film a 70. Uh, I, I think that this movie is, uh, its message is great. Um, I dug some of the songs. I think the supporting voices are are pretty phenomenal. Um, so yeah, I'm at a 70 on this. But uh, where are you, Terry? Where were you in 92? And where do you think you are now? Oh my gosh. In 1992, I was at a slumber party for a child watching this movie and 
with a two-year-old and a five-year bunch of five-year-olds <laughs> and my friend's mom and my best friend. Um, and I probably gave this movie like an 85 or 90. I'm, I'm wow. guessing, okay. you know, All right. as All a right. child, I was very easily impressed. I, I was also very sheltered. So I was also always excited to go see a movie in the theater because we didn't always get to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of a big deal. And also I felt like the cool big kids. So I probably... <laughs> have like some cool points being like oh yeah this movie's great so I feel like I, I probably puffed it up <laughs> more than it was with the kids because I was excited to hang out with them and talk about it after and stay up late and gab about it um today I would probably give it like you know like a 65 like you know in hindsight I'm like oh wow yeah um I know speaking with Emily today too you know some of the animation I'm like yep that does not hold sure. up the same way watching some of those old classic um Disney films do um as we do on the Disney Plus sometimes and you know it's it's uh yeah 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 I, I think you. I hear I think, you that's fair I think but also I was also pleasantly surprised by some of the moments like I said like toxic love I was like oh my god this is amazing like this is so cool and um yeah but also just that Zach character killed me I just ugh. His look is also pretty shitty, too. He's got kind of like almost like a mullet and like he's got kind of a MAGA vibe that I was just like not really into. Very turned off, very turned off and very mad that she was so. But also I like I get like I'm like, yes, please embrace these guys. They do need love. Everybody needs love. And maybe that'll help help save the day. But also I was just disgusted. So he looks like if Jonathan Taylor Thomas and a mouse did the fly and became the same. Very that. Yeah. What yeah. does that even mean? Oh, <laughs> I get it. I get it. JTT was seminal, obviously, of this he moment. I mean, and like he he's very giving that vibe for sure. I guess like if you're gonna tailor it up to somebody everyone's like hot for, yeah. that's like of that era. Where, yeah. where, so Emily, what is what's your rating on Ferngully? I just want to not be, seen it in ninety two. I want to be clear, in nineteen ninety two I gave this movie sight on seeing a negative six six six. Um so okay. uh um It was of the devil. Okay, it was great. of the devil. Sure. Negative. Mm-hmm. Um I uh but yeah, you know, I can't sit here in good conscience and say I had a great time watching this movie. I did like the songs. Um I did like Tim Curry a lot. I think Robin Williams is, is kind of too much. I think the genius of Aladdin is it finds the right Robin Williams stuff to use. And I think these sure. guys were just like, we have so much Robin Williams. Let's use all of it. And I think that was not always the right choice. Um, I like a lot. I like a lot of elements of it. I don't think it quite gels, but that. because y'all made me feel I had such a good time talking about it. And I had such a good time imagining becoming tiny and having a <laughs> tiny husband. I'm going to give it a 52. <laughs> just, o- just over the line of recommendation. That's, That's surprising. Saying, Look at you. That's I love that saying. the conversation led you to your Little fantasy, ba- your tiny <laughs> fantasies, and thus. <laughs> that's like that's like if you come up to me in the street and you say should i watch fern gully i'll start to say no and then i'll be like let's talk about tininess how do you feel about it Um, have you ever thought about being super small yeah (laughs) so terry i'm curious on your thoughts of the film that we're covering next week um we are talking about sister act Stacy Traub came on to talk Sister Act with us. Um, do you have thoughts on Sister Act? Did you see it in 92? Of course I saw it. I, it is like, okay, I don't even know. I'm like, I'm really, like, <laughs> I'm so mad it wasn't, I'm glad it, I'm, it's fine. Because Sister Act 2 is really where it's at anyway, you know, yes. back in the house. That's what people say. Have it, honestly. 
anytime that movie is on TV, like it does not matter like where I am, I'm going to have to stop and finish it. Um, but Sister Act, the OG also was just like seminal for like being like, oh my God, I recently played a nun on TV. And honestly, every one of the jokes that we made walking around in habits, having to like, you know, be like, oh, baby, um, you know, that also was one of those things where I was like, okay, I can see myself honestly, because Whoopi Goldberg for me was like, it still is like one of my guiding light beacon legends i was like i want to do one woman show on broadway i'm gonna be whippy gold like like in my brain as a young person like she was everything and the way that um it was recently my brother sent me like a little clip of an interview from back in the day and I forget which 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 blonde white lady news lady was asking her questions but it was one of them um and asking her you know like well why do you feel so how do you feel you know being like against all these like skinny gorgeous people you know like literally point blank being like how are you like are you okay being ugly essentially do you know what i mean though and it was like almost every interview constantly they would ask her that shit Mm -hmm. and the fact that she was able to carve out and just hold herself and she already knows who she is so much from the inside and to like go against all of that to still be a fucking lead to still like i mean literally make some of the best movies to win e an egot status do you know what i mean though just be like ah fuck you all (laughs) like and this was one of the ones that really put her like on another level doing this particular franchise and so i just like have nothing but good things to say about it also strangely though with my you know even with my weird interaction with the catholic church because admins just believe that like thought that like you know they think like uh, i mean for a while growing up basically a century group think that the pope was like the antichrist because that's cool um because um, catholicism sure. means universal that's like the like translation and we're supposed to be not of this universe and so everyone who's catholic essentially was like evil to us so it's a whole nother level of weirdness but i loved that movie and we still loved it in our house so that's how good it was that it cut through the adventist <laughs> layer to be okay you know and well, enjoy. we talked about that a little bit on the episode emily in terms of like how this movie mm-hmm. read for you back back then yeah I uh uh I dated a Seventh Day Adventist in high school. And, so sorry. Uh, I mean, uh, she and her family would like they hid their TV in a closet. And yeah, on Friday night. Pull it out and mm-hmm. like yeah. Phil, the thing about like <laughs> discussing anything in this 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 country right now is that I feel like there are a lot of people who didn't grow up in this milieu who don't realize there's a lot of like there's fully 30% of the country that believes crazy fucking bullshit and like bases everything they do around that and you can't win them over and they don't live in the same reality as you yeah. and that's what Ferngully is about <laughs> Ferngully is about being tiny and also and also being... <laughs> yeah I want to see Aaron Sorkin's Ferngully where he really grapples with this would would watch be, I'd be oh, curious wild It'd be so wild. I um, I'm sure that uh, Krista would fall down a lot. She'd fall into a pool or something at some point. But, um, I uh, I think that our our, our sister act episode is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that movie is is legitimately great. I think she's. I mean, Whoopi is. We talk we talk obviously a lot of Whoopi on that episode, but it it, it needs to be said sort of again just how much of a unfortunately how much of an anomaly she was in 92 and how gigantic a movie star she in 92 was. still and sorry you know i mean like oh no still, still for sure but i just yeah. mean the fact that like you know a, a black female actress comedian 
is you know what I mean just just such a, a groundbreaking phenomenal performer um and it's just it's it's written all over that movie she's just she's just so unbelievably winning. yeah she's stellar but also I mean the fact that the people around her between Maggie Smith Harvey Keitel yeah, like yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. cast that's yeah. around her no totally is absolutely phenomenal all those I mean Kathy and Jimmy uh like that mm-hmm. when I saw that performance I was like oh that's what I want to do. Do you know what I mean? Though, like sure, that was sure. like she was one of those people too. I was like, okay, like I guess that's what it is too. It's like all these character actresses. I was like, oh, you know, when you like yeah. see see yourself. Yeah. Um, I was that's like, totally. yeah, I was like, I could be any of these ladies, like any of these folks. Like I absolutely in my in my future, I see myself. Yeah, I feel like, like both the, kind of both distracts like, are are really people. special movies, like a, a, a very special sort of. Um, I, there, there is a reason why they have stood the test of time and why people still talk about them. Um, so I, you know, it, it was a great episode and, and, but more than anything, Terry, thank you so much for coming on and talking about Fern Gully with us. Thank you for watching that. Watching that Emily. Thank you. Phil for enjoying it. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank I you mean, for having I, me. I, thank you for going on this tiny journey with us. You know, it was, uh, we talked tiny for, for, tiny people i mean now i feel like we need to do like an animated movie of tiny emily there's that there was so i was on blank check recently as we're recording this and there was discussion in the blank check discord about how um knowing the blank check reddit about how people should listen to this show and i'm not quite as chaotic here as i am on blank check because i have to be like a co-host and i feel like this episode is just giving the lie to that this (laughs) is just this episode proves that not to be true emily definitely brings chaos to this podcast it's just a different type of she goes what do you mean everywhere she goes that is my favorite thing about her it is literally my favorite thing i am so obsessed with you emily you know this. as our listeners probably know Emily, you can tell if Emily is going to be chaotic at the top of an episode because she comes in in a way where you're just like, okay, so this is it, generally speaking, it's about movies that she perhaps didn't like as much. I just feel like when she comes in and says, oh, we're not going to go long, <laughs> to me, that feels <laughs> like that's when Emily's going to get chaotic. Uh, we're recording Howard's End on Monday. We and are. I just, well, let's just let's find out who oh. I want to marry. Let's find out who I want to marry in that movie. That's gonna I'm, be interesting. So, so I've never seen Howard's oh. End. So I'm oh, fucking great. I'm oh my god, excited. it's good. Oh, I'm you're in for a treat, Phil. Oh, it's so good. I, I honestly, Merchant Ivory is kind of a big blind spot for me. I haven't seen Remains of the Day. I haven't seen a room, uh, room with a view. Like these are just. I, I know, I know. It's it's a big blind spot. For me. me. Oh my god. I'm sorry. I'm just. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of wish I could watch all of them for the first time. You know what I mean? Like right now, sure. that's so beautiful. Um, I'm super excited. I, yeah. I feel like it's going to open up a whole new door for me. Terry, yeah. have have you seen Maurice? Morris? I can't remember how to pronounce I think it. Maurice. It's yeah. Maurice. Maurice, have I? It's uh, it, uh, you Who's might it? know. Like it's the Merchant Ivory movie that is like the first mainstream Hollywood film to really talk about like gay men um where they like kind of used a lot of their capital to make Oh yeah, that. Hugh Grant. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Me, 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 going down my gay rabbit hole. You're like renting things like as a child. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> need it. Yes. Oh um, my god. Yes. Well, I'm super excited uh, to watch Howard's End. Terry, where can people listen to you, see you, read you? 
Oh my gosh, you can find me on the internet, you guys, at the Terry Campbell, mostly um, on most of the platforms. And that's the, and then Terry, T E R I, that's one R, um, Gamble, like Las Vegas. Um, you can find me at the Terry Gamble, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of good stuff, or whatever the heck it's called now. Yeah. Um, and, um, or terrygamble.com. You can find me there. And uh, sometimes I update that too. So, yeah. <laughs> And then Thank you so, there's so still much. strikes happening, double strikes. So double look, strikes. look me up so you can, if you want to find those things. <laughs> your, Thank um, you so, so much. Your yes. podcast, um, Horror Movie Survival Guide. Oh, yeah. I should talk about that. So very fun. Thank you. Please, please. I, uh, yeah, I want to come on that and talk about being tiny. <laughs> okay. Go uh, please. Yes. What and is, so here's, here's one last question for you guys. Yeah. I have an answer in my head, but I'm curious. What's the scariest? tiny person in a movie hmm. i don't think there's i don't know i just the first thing that popped in my head was like freaks but they're not scary to me like the the problem is is that the mean people are the terrible people who hmm. don't understand the freaks if that's an old sure old classic classic film um because my brain scary... goes to uh when the grandparents get really little at the end of Mulholland Drive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was like a gnome named Gnorm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the, the fifth, like the the nineteen fifties movie, Incredible Shrinking Man. The man in that is not scary, oh. but he like the sequence where he fights the spider is pretty pretty intense. Oh, so, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I'll check that out. Uh, Terry, this was fantastic. We're so thankful for you taking the time to talk for Ngully with us, and and we hope that you'll come back in the future to talk about something else. Oh my god, thank you so much. This was so delightful. You all are just everything I wanted and more. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.